This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are back again after a uh, week hiatus due to our hometown mission project. What a great project it was. We had a uh, very productive week uh, working on five uh, ladies' houses and uh, doing a lot of renovations at Loaves and Fishes, even painted some at the church and did some work out at the girls' ranch. It was a it was a great week of uh, spiritual growth for the for the youth. A great week of encouragement and strength for the church, and it was a great week of fellowship for the body. So I, I can't complain not a bit about anything. I want to thank Living Stones Ministry for uh, helping us with that. Greg and Susan and uh, all the people that came from uh, 14 different fellowships all over the country and uh, came and joined us and did the uh, work of ministry. That being said, we're back in Exodus chapter 32, and we're dealing with the uh, the passage that has uh, some perplexing things in it, uh, and I'm going to tell you that I am not totally in my own heart and mind. I'm not totally comfortable with everything in the sense of I'm not saying that I don't uh, believe what God says here. What I'm saying is I'm not sure exactly how to put all the pieces together and all the pictures together. And when you are that way, you just note it in your mind and you say, Lord, these things don't totally make sense to me. But as I continue to study and think and ponder about life, please allow me to see what you're saying and what you're doing. Please allow me to uh, do these things better and better. And so eventually I will have an understanding of who you are and how you how you work. And I will understand what's going on here. I'm going to make some surmises about them or surmise some things about it. But I will tell you, even the things I say about this passage, I, I am not firmly locked in as I, I, I feel like it fits totally with the rest of Scripture. Although I have no doubt that Moses wrote this and this is what God said to him. And I am going to, in my own heart and mind, log it in and say again and again, what is it that you're doing here? It says in verse 30, now it came to pass. Now remember, Moses is taking the uh, taking the Levites and going through the camp, and he's killed. And it's important to understand he is, they have put to death those who not only worship the golden calf, because they, there were a lot of people who did that, but when he said choose either the golden calf or God, they chose the golden calf. So these people were not only not only fell into idolatry, which is bad, but when when confronted about it, when given the opportunity to reject their idolatry and to go and go back to God, they refused. And in fact, when they set up sides, when Moses made it a side thing, meaning that they were going to do battle, they decided that they were determined to to but battle for for the idolatry which they had chosen. 
in many ways, it's a picture of, of in the New Testament, if you were going to give that picture, I guess it would be the, it would be a picture of the, of, of the reprobate mind or the mind who is totally gone over and totally given up, given over to its own desires, its own wants. And the Bible does talk about the reprobate mind being a mind, a person who will never, ever be born again, never, ever be sanctified, never, ever turn their heart and their mind toward God because they've chosen to love themselves and love what they want and to do what they desire. And that is a true understanding in the New Testament. And that is a true teaching of the New Testament. And I think it's foreshadowed here in this story. It is a foreshadowing of the reprobate mind, the mind who has chosen to worship other gods, which ultimately is a worship of yourself. We've discussed that and gone through that whole process. But once you've gone through that process and you've decided you're going to worship your own self or you're going to stray and not choose, no matter what, not to worship other gods, you have put yourself in a position in total opposition to God. And you have put yourself in a position where that there is no possibility of you ever acting in faith toward God, trusting God, hearing God's word, believing him, acting upon it, that you are in a position where you're never going to do that. And what you say, why is that a problem for you? Well, the problem is that they were delivered out of Egypt. They went across the Red Sea. They went to the mountaintop. My problem with it is they went through the pictures. Now you go, don't that doesn't that happen in the New Testament? Yeah, there are people who have a reprobate mind who do go along with the church. They continue to walk with the church. They continue to to go with the church in their lives. And but the truth is they're they they are worshiping other gods the whole time. And that is that does happen. And we are going to see a great falling away, as Second Thessalonians chapter two says, that there'll be a, a great a great falling away, which means people who are who are acting like they're a part of the church and then they are not part of the church uh, because when the Antichrist reveals himself, they chase after him. That's called the great apostasy or the great falling away. We do understand the parable Jesus gave of the man who went out and sowed his seed in the field and the enemy came and sowed tares in the field. These All these pictures are in, and they and the servants asked, should we go and tear, pull the tares up? And he said, no, if you pull the tares up, you'll pull the roots up also of the good seed. And so he said, just wait to the end and we'll separate them out. And, and that's a picture of the angels in heaven separating those out who are true believers and those who are going along to as if they are part of the church. But really, they're not people of faith and really they don't walk with God and trust him. And this is a reality. It's a real thing. And it does go on. And so I guess the more I teach through it, the more I go, you know, that obviously you would want to have this picture. If you're going to have the picture of the Exodus or the picture of the story of God's deliverance out of Egypt, if you're going to have that be the picture of uh, the New Testament uh, uh, process of God delivering us out of the slavery of sin in Egypt and taking us eventually <clears throat> to the promised land and the spirit-filled Christian life, if those two are, are, are the, if one is a foreshadowing of the other, which Exodus clearly is, then obviously you're going to have a time and a season where there are those who are not, and which clearly is going to happen in our time and our season. Uh, there are going to be, there's going to be a falling away. There are those who uh, go to church and act like they're part of the body, but really have no genuine faith. And the, I guess my problem is I just don't like that, that that's true. I, I, I don't like that I, I, in my own personal walk with God, I just, I wish that weren't so. 
Uh, I wish that everybody that I pastored, everybody that I spoke with, everybody that I preached to, I wish that they all would uh, come to know uh, Christ and that they would walk with him and that they would uh, produce fruit of faith. I, I pray that each and every day for those who are, are close to me and then those who sit in the corners and I never really ever get to build a relationship. I still hope that the word of God that's uh, sprinkled on their heart takes root and uh, it produces great things for their lives. I guess as a pastor, it, that's just why it irks me a little bit. I don't want that to be the case. There's a lot of things I don't want to be the case or I do want to be the case that aren't. And, and God's the one that gets to decide that, not me. Now, that's some biblical truth right there. He said, so Moses, <clears throat> Moses said to the people, you've committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Per perhaps I can make atonement <clears throat> for your sin. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> when you read that, you realize, no, Moses, you really can't do that. You can't make atonement for their sins. You can't fix this problem. But we do know in the New Testament that Jesus does make atonement for our sins. And, and so Moses is trying to figure out how to fix this. But he's not fixing it for the ones who were dead already, the ones who've been purged out of the camp. He, he, he's not fixing it for them. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have, have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Now, it's not like Moses was sugarcoating it at all. He, he said to God, they, These people have committed a great sin and they've made the, for themselves a, a God of gold. Now, there were two groups there. There was the group who decided we're going to worship this God no matter what. We're never going to turn back to God. And then there's the group that Aaron was a part of that said, we've done wrong and we shouldn't have done it. And, oh, they made me do it. And all you make excuses in your own heart. But the truth is they did it to themselves. As you go through it, there are two camps. And, and Moses is not dealing with the ones that have been killed. He's dealing with the ones who have not been killed. And, and maybe he's even talking about the ones who have been killed. He says, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. Now, this is the book of life, and it is not a book of names. It is a book of, of faith, meaning it is the story of God's people in their faith. And it's not a, it's not a name book. It's a, a list in, uh, it's not a ledger, I guess is the best way for me to describe it. It's not a ledger that's got a list of names. It is the story of God's people and their faith uh, in him, <clears throat> which is the product of his work in their life, which is uh, the revelation of his grace. And so uh, the Lamb's Book of Life or the Book of Life, which would have been, which they would have known it as, it, it's important. And in the New Testament, it is dealt with again. And uh, God says in the New Testament, I will not blot your name out of it. He, what he's saying is once you're in, you can't be blotted out. He says, oh, these people have committed a great sin and made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray blot out of your book, which you have written, I pray blot me out of it. And what he's saying is, I want to atone for their sins. And if I can't, just blot me out and let them in. And this is the heart of atonement. Now, I will give Moses great credit for this. What he's saying is the same thing the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament. He would that uh, he would that that he be blotted out of the book, or he be eternally lost if all Israel could be saved, or all Israel, everybody who's a part of Israel would be a part and trust him and trust God. 
but you can't do that. Only one can atone for all of the sin, and that is Jesus. And Moses is trying to do this. He's a foreshadowing of Christ, so obviously he would be trying to do this, but <clears throat> he can't do it. They can't make that atoning sacrifice. There's only one who can do that, and that is the Christ. That is Jesus, the Messiah, and only he can do that. And Moses, first of all, he can't blot his name out. And second of all, he can't make atonement for the people, even though he wants to. And oftentimes you get credit for just wanting to. Your ability to actually do the things that sometimes you desire to do for God is not possible. But your desire to do it, he credits you that. He credits you for that. Remember, it's the faith that he credits you for, the efforts to do the things, even the things that you cannot bring to completion. Boy, God gives you the credit for it because he wants you to faith him for the big things. He says, and the Lord said to Moses, whoever sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now, that's the real key verse there that kind of, I, I don't want that to be the case, but it is. He says, whoever sinned against me, I'll blot out of my book. Now, therefore, go, lead the people to the place of which I've spoken to you, meaning you keep moving on. There's nothing you can do about these ones that have been killed and have been blotted out. And the word here for sin, it, it, it has a, it's, it's a idea of finality to it. And the only saving grace about this is my understanding that word means really is referring to the ones who were killed, the ones who, who decided they were going to just carry through and completely rebel against God. And so I, I, I guess the only solace I have in this is that is what that is, uh, that is the understanding that God said, I'm blotting out the ones who stood against me in order to continue this idolatry. He says, now, therefore, go and by the way, that'll, that's what will happen in the apostasy. They'll be, they'll, those, are not, those people are not going to have their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. He says, Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you, meaning we're back to Jesus leading them out. He says, what he's saying is, continue on. These are one of those things where even though there are going to be those who just totally turn away from God, uh, you've got to continue on doing what God has told you to do because God has a plan for you. And so even though there are those times and those seasons where people uh, just absolutely don't do uh, and are going to reject God, you've got to continue on in, in the purposes that God has for you and not let, not let their decisions disturb your plan. He says, now, therefore, go and lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment on them for their sin. Now he's talking about, he's talking about those who turn back to God. And he's saying that there's going to be consequences for what they've done. Those who decided not to go with the group who were totally rebelling and, and decided they would turn back to God. He says there is going to be consequences. And we know that's a New Testament principle also that God gives us consequences. There is punishment. And when I say punishment, it's not punishment for the purpose of God's wrath. It's punishment for the purpose of our uh, salvation, our sanctification. And uh, uh, a, a, um, a father who loves us, 
uh, he's going to chastise us. And so uh, uh, that's what happens here. You have God saying, I've got to, there's got to be some chastisement for this. There's got to be some, some reckoning that must take place because of what's happened here. And so that's what's happening. God says, I'm going to handle this with them down the road. Nevertheless, he says, so the Lord plagued the people because they did what, because of what they did with the calf. And notice, he's not leaving Aaron out of it. He said, which Aaron made. And so ultimately, everything that we do uh, has consequences. And especially as believers, they have consequences because God's got to deal with them right now. Uh, he's sanctifying. He's making us in his image right now. And so when we have issues, he has to, the Holy Spirit steps in and begins to, begins to cause our hearts to, cause our hearts to be downtrodden and upset. He, he definitely brings us to a place where we're, we're constantly perplexed and struggling. And God definitely takes us, takes away some of the things that caused it in our lives and the things that led us astray. And he sets us right. He makes us walk in the way. And that is a clear teaching from the New Testament, and it is a truth that we must hold firm to. And I praise God that God loves us enough and cares enough to get us exactly in the middle of his will and do and uses all of what should and could be used to bring us in line with him. And so I pray that'll be the case for you and me and desire for all those who I know and who I run into each and every day to hear the gospel and to be redeemed. But that is not my work. My work is just to be the light. It's God's work to decide and determine and to walk through those things. And so I'll let him do his work and I'll do mine as a faithful servant of him. I pray that you will too, because the work we have to do is a fruitful work and we've got great, great results, great things that God is doing. And we should always look to them because God is faithful to those who are faithful. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.